You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Third Watch coverage here on the Oz Network. We are covering the greatest television show in the history of television. That is, of course, Third Watch, as I just said. We are vaulting through. I don't know what's going with that word. I was going to say vomiting for some reason, but that's an inappropriate word. Vaulting is what I wanted to say. Uh, through the first season, hopefully not vomiting at the sound of my voice after trying to come up with something funny. Uh, 13th episode. It's unlucky for some, it's lucky for others. Clearly not lucky for me because I can't speak properly. Uh, this episode is called This Band of Brothers. It aired on February the 14th, Valentine's Day, 2000. Uh, I don't know why I give a shit about Valentine's Day, but I um, just thought I'd point that out for all of those of you out there in love. Why not? Uh, this was directed by Guy Norman B and written by one of the show's creators in Mr. John Wells. Uh, my name is Ben, and I've also been told that once I give you a hickey, you need stitches and a tetanus shot. And my name is Brandy, and she ain't exactly gentle. <laughs> Well, good to see we both went for the same section of the episode. <laughs> Basically, uh, those quotes come from good old Bosco delivering uh, every every episode for us. But uh, yes, we are here, Brandy, for this one. This is a this is a very much an action packed uh, episode. This one. Uh, I mean, before we get into it, I don't know if you got anything to to say about this one, but I, I'm looking forward to talking about this one. I'm excited. Um, I feel like I could just say one word, and that's finally. Finally. <laughs> Finally. This is one of the ones you've been looking forward to getting to, is it? Absolutely. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, let's get into it then. Why not? Uh, we, we start off once again with tonight on Third Watch. Uh, so, as always, just as we talked about last episode, just in case you didn't know what was about to happen, well, there you go. You've got your lovely little uh, opening. Uh, but then we also cut straight to a bit of rat rat round scenes. Maybe this is why it aired on Valentine's Day, because we get a bit of a... Uh, nice little Doc and Morales uh, moments in bed. They're just chilling after having a bit of kinky time. Can I just point out, uh, and I'm sure I, I mean, I, if I notice this, I'm sure you noticed it, Brandy. Michael Beach has a pretty darn good bod, does he not? Uh, <laughs> he does. I'm looking at it right now, actually. <laughs> I bet you are. I bet you it's your wallpaper on your computer or your phone or whatever you've got. No, your beeper. Uh, <laughs> I was like, perfect. The, I mean, there are definitely there. I, I don't know how many episodes we get of shirtless Michael Beach. I haven't exactly counted. Maybe we can, uh, but I mean, he definitely he doesn't look like a guy that has a good body. Can I just like? I guess you don't really get to see it too often in the uniform. But every time Michael Beach is shirtless, you're like, damn. Well, his sweater doesn't no, doesn't do anything for him. I mean, and then I think is he playing somebody older than he actually is? I think so. Like you forget, and like when he takes his shirt off, you're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And look, I don't float that way, but seriously, like, I mean, come on, that 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 guy's got a good body. I mean, I you can appreciate somebody who's good looking, whether it's male or female, it doesn't matter. I don't even think we ever get to see Eddie Cibrian shirtless. So, like, I mean, like, you'd assume he'd be shirtless every scene because he was, you know, employed in the show purely because he was good looking. Uh, not to take away from his acting abilities, he can act too. But um, you know, it's it's still kind of a case of, you know, we got shirtless Michael Beach, yet we don't get shirtless Eddie Cibrian. So. Uh, there you go. I would say he was, uh, at the time of this episode, so he would have been, if I'm doing my math correctly, 37. Uh, but I would assume, yeah, he's playing someone possibly in his 40s, I would assume. That would just be my guess. So, uh, I, I would think he's playing. He's, he definitely looks good for his age. I didn't realize, I thought he was older than that, like, even looking at this profile right now. So he's only 53 at the time of recording this. Um, 
So he definitely looks very good for his age, does Michael Beach. That's what I'm trying to say. That's, I thought he was like 50 when he was playing. Yeah, well, I mean, because, <laughs> you thought he was 50 in this episode. I mean, he, had that, he had that wisdom. And then, yeah, but then he, I mean, if you look at him now, like, if you look at the actor now, Michael Beach now, you realize he's way younger than what we thought he was. So. Yeah. I actually just, I, I will say, uh, kind of, uh, sort of, we had a bit of a gap in recording these, not to date this too much, but obviously I was, I was traveling a little bit around your great country and, and Canada, and on one of the plane trips, I watched uh, the movie Patriot's Day, which was the, the movie about the Boston Marathon bombings, and uh, he was in it. Michael Beach played the, I think he played the governor of Massachusetts in that episode, or was he the mayor? I think he was the governor. Um, and he was good. He was, he was good. And can I just say that he was on screen with one of the greatest individuals in this human history called Kevin Bacon. So, uh, you know, yep. I got to see, you know, a, a fantastic scene of Michael Beach acting with Kevin Bacon. Uh, you know, Ben Waterworth was very happy at that moment in life. So, <laughs> I have not seen it, but that just sounds good. Yeah, now that influences me to go see it. Eventually oh, do it. I can go see good it. movie. Good movie. It's obviously, you know, not the uh, most happiest storyline, but. Uh, Oh, no, no, it's, uh, it's it's a good movie. It's a, it's a good movie for what it was. But anyway, so yes, uh, Doc and, and Morales have done it. Um, and this is kind of going back to the last episode where I was saying, like, the inappropriate time to ask Captain Obvious question of the episode. Maybe we have that award every episode. The Captain Obvious question of the episode goes to Morales when she asked Doc, do you miss your dead wife? Uh, <laughs> like... Is, is the correct answer now? Look, I'm not a female, Brandy, so I don't... You know, I often get confused at questions that girls will ask because there always seems to be an answer you're looking for, but I can never come up with that answer, so I end up being in the wrong. So I'm... Uh, Doc gave a good answer because Morales still made out with him and they obviously went for round two or maybe round, like, 30. I don't know how many times they'd done it that night. But, like, when she asked the question, do you miss your dead wife, is the correct answer, like... No, because I'm laying with you right now. You're so beautiful. You make me forget about her. Let's have sex. Is that the correct way to say that? If I ever need to handle that in the future, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Every female's different. Every guy's different. I mean, <laughs> I will say I think the only reason why she asked that is probably because she's in her emotions and she's trying to like open up with him a little mm-hmm. bit, and she assumes by connecting is talking about Deborah. I mean. She's trying to be there for him in a way, I guess. That's the only reason I can assume she asked that question, but it's kind of awkward to do it right then in that, that moment. I don't see myself doing something like that. Like, oh, do you miss your ex-girlfriend? Do you miss... Like, that's just awkward. You don't... <laughs> you don't just... It just yeah. isn't really, like, it just... Time and place, Morales. Well, she's not uh... competing. She's competing with his wife. I mean, that's... I don't know, because you're... You can't really compete. I don't know if she was trying to, like, compete with her. I don't know. That's awkward. I've I've generally tried to learn in my single life of the last, you know, 15 or so months that when it comes to, you know, I don't want to say courting. I'm not, like, in 18th century England. Like, when I'm dating or something like that, that generally the rule of thumb is don't bring up your exes because the girl doesn't exactly want to hear about your past in that department, you know what I mean? Like, that's a tenth date conversation when you're getting to know each other a bit more. Not like, hey, we've totally just fucked. By the way, let's talk about your dead wife. <laughs> oh, my ex just texted me. Hold on, let me text my ex back or something rant. Yeah, you <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, what, I mean, does that happen in the middle of it? Like, you know, oh, yes, doc, oh, yes, oh, tell me about your ex-wife. Like, I don't see that happening. So, but she's greater than me. I mean, that's just awkward. Yeah, no. I don't. <laughs> I don't know, Morales. Again, time and place. Time and place. Uh, but it's good. It's good to see these two on screen uh, in that that element 
again, the chemistry between Michael Beach and Lisa Vidal is great. You really do believe these two as a couple. So um, it's good to see that it's developed more from a kiss to multiple kisses and other body parts interacting with each other. Um, so <laughs> we then get... Davis uh, goes to school. He's going to see his mum. Uh, one of my favourite scenes of this, I just love when Davis is walking through the hallway and that kid walks past him and they just look at each other. Like, I don't know, just, it's just a random little moment like Davis staring at this little kid. Um, and this is, this is as we were saying, like, uh, Davis, we mentioned last episode, he, he confronts his mum about Candyman, obviously. Candyman being dirty, wants to know if his dad was, and we kind of get this scene, his mum's obviously avoiding the question. Um... But I, I, the thing that baffles me about, and we get it a few times in this episode, we're well established that the third watch shift is what, between 3 and 11 or 3.30 and 11.30 p.m. It's around about that. Um, so they all work this shift. That is why this show is called Third Watch. And they're always rostered on that shift from what we see. So we see him go to his mum and his mum says, oh, what, you know, don't you have work? To which he's like, oh, no, I don't start to this time. He lives with his mum, for starters. So, like, okay, I can maybe understand that they haven't quite bumped into each other because he would have maybe gotten in at midnight, she would have been in bed, he would have had to sleep a little bit in the morning so she would have gone off to, to work. I know we've seen them having breakfast before, but obviously there'll be some mornings he'd want to sleep in and she'd go off early. So I can understand why maybe they haven't seen each other at that point. But my my, my gripe about this, Brandy, I'm probably really stretching a thin rope here, is that she should know what time he starts work, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that makes me so angry. I'm just so nitpicking and everything at this moment. <laughs> I'm just listening. <laughs> Sometimes we need to vent. <laughs> Sometimes we do need to vent, yes. All right? Yeah. I'm angry because we don't have Topless Doc anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Topless Screenshot. Michael Beach. <laughs> Screenshot. Hey, isn't Screenshot. that awesome? There you go. <laughs> we need Topless Michael Beach. Um... But we, we, we kind of touched on that last episode, I feel. You know, obviously, he gets, she delivers some lines, you know. Uh, you know, he wasn't perfect, but he was there for you and all this sort of stuff. And I kind of think you, for us, for you and I, and we won't spoil it because some of our listeners obviously might not have watched uh, this whole show, so they're watching along with us. But obviously, knowing some of the things that we learn about his father... Uh, in the next season. Um, I think it's kind of, it's interesting to see it from Maggie's perspective where she's obviously saying like, look, you know, he wasn't perfect, but he still, you know, he did things for you. Uh, so, I mean, just keep an eye on that, people, I guess. There's a bit more to the Davis's father storyline that, as we mentioned last episode, it kind of, you get an interesting twist in the next season, which really doesn't play too much into the overall arc of it and then we get conclusion come season six, but yeah. She is a, uh, about to sneeze. Bless you. <laughs> oh, thank you. We're all still hot and heavy over shirtless Michael Beach, let's be honest. <laughs> I will say that she's a great mom. I mean, it is shows you she's a great mom, especially what we find out. The fact that she's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want you looking at your dad any different than what, how you do now. You know, yeah, I mean, for sure. Because, you know, you know some real, in real life, some moms be like, you know, I'm going to tell you everything. Yeah, this is uh, Lynette McKee, by the way, we should mention, is the actress who plays Maggie Davis. I don't think we've actually touched on her at all. Um, and just looking at her filmography, um, since Third Watch, not a whole lot, really. She's in a few films here and there um, and hasn't actually acted in anything since 2015. So, um, been a couple of years. But before Third Watch, she was in a lot of things. So, she... Uh, Kind of as uh, probably more at the the end of her career rather than the beginning. So uh, 
there you go. Props, props to uh, Lynette McKee. She she does a good job as Maggie Davis, and I think as we kind of established uh, a few episodes ago, uh, kind of kind of recurring, kind of falls away a little bit, but comes back for a few little random bits over the over the years. Um, so then we we get Maddie and Bobby. Um, obviously, you know, since the last episode, Maddie still hasn't turned himself in. Um, Bobby, you know, basically saying, like, you've got to turn yourself in. He's like, I'm not going back to jail. And then Bobby's obviously asking all the questions, like, what happened? Uh, Maddie's, you know, saying, like, look, I didn't know. They just showed up. And then all of a sudden they started shooting, so I ran. And Bobby doesn't believe him. Um, it's interesting because, like, I don't I don't know what to believe here. Because, like, you kind of believe him, but then obviously you don't believe him. Uh, you know, at this point, he's then asking, like, I need, you know, give me $1,000 for a bus ticket. You know, I've got a friend down in Florida I can work and, you know, bus ticket and a few meals. Like, God, he's, I just recently caught some Greyhound buses in the US. Like, what sort of meals is he buying? You don't need $1,000. Like, fucking hell. Um, but, yeah, this guy's um, never, never, like, uh, honest. When he stole that 2000 from his mom. True. So you don't believe him at all? I. It's hard to. I mean, I think that's what makes, what makes this actually great is because we i don't know not all of us have family members like that but i have family members like that and sometimes when i didn't believe them they were telling the truth but they always they 95 percent lie so it's kind of hard so it's it's great yeah. <laughs> classic boy you. who cried wolf scenario you know you you believe them when you're not meant to and you don't believe them when you're meant to so <laughs> um yeah. but we'll get back to bobby and maddie obviously that that is probably the main storyline of this episode even though obviously we get some you know pretty intense action uh, which we'll get to obviously in just a second because it kind of comes at you very full circle. But um, yeah, I'd say this is the main plot line, the Bobby Maddie, obviously the uh, the resolution of uh, how that is going to happen. The one the one thing I will say, and this is probably jumping ahead, but um, we kind of went back an episode ago where you know for some reason Davis automatically knew that Maddie was Bobby's brother by hearing the last name because clearly the Bobby Davis bromance that we never get to see uh, is very much happening behind the scenes of Third Watch. But for, for somebody who's that in close with the police, the fact that we even get a scene later on where what Bobby's neighbour says, like, the police are looking for you, you know, they said if I see you to call them. At what point do the police question Bobby about his brother? Uh, and then, you know, it, it kind of seems a very convenient, uh, you know, plot line that Bobby never gets questioned about his brother at all. Um, you know, so maybe jumping ahead to how this episode ends... Uh, if we look too much into this storyline, I mean, this is coming from a person who's nitpicking about a person's mother not knowing when they start work. Um, so, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, am I pulling this thin, you know, rope again, Brandy? Stop me if I am. No, actually, I like that you're noticing a lot of things that I don't notice. <laughs> and so it's interesting. Happens when you watch so this not- show too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <And> maybe it's <laughs> like you like a show too much, you're just trying to find things to nitpick at. <laughs> and, um, you know, um, yeah. So uh, kind of the, the crux of this episode, really, I mean, I know that, as I just said, the plot line probably rolled around Bobby, but, I mean, a lot of this obviously comes down to this whole action sequence that we're about to get to. Um, we do get kind of great little uh, Bosco and Yoko's banter in the car. I love Bosco sort of talking about paying $350 for Nick's tickets and Patrick Ewing doesn't play, you know, dates this episode, the fact that this is a time when Patrick Ewing was still playing for the New York Knicks, but um, I just love Bosco, you know, he's got the stomach flu, he should be out there, even if he has rectum cancer, you know, he's on $20 million a year to run up and down a court. Uh, and look, like, I, as a sports fan, I can see some logic to that, um, but, you know, he says he's got the stomach flu, but, I mean, 
you know, as, as, uh, what is, what does it Yoko say? Like, he must have been pretty sick not to have played. You know, he's pretty dedicated to the team. But, uh, I mean, $350. They, they better have been close to courtside. I mean, I've been to a Knicks game and I didn't, I think I paid $50 for nosebleeds. So, like, you know, I think, uh, you know, 350 probably not courtside, but they'd have to be at least on the lower tier, I'd want to say. Someone on Nicole's, uh, you know, standards. Why isn't she paying the tickets? She's clearly rich, as we discover. So, I don't know. <laughs> no, I agree. Mm, I don't good. have much to say about that scene, but I do have a, this next scene. This next scene, I have a lot to say about. Well, I mean, so. getting into that, I just don't know if you had anything to add on just that little bit. But, I mean, we obviously get the few little lines we went on our opening. About, you know, she's not exactly gentle, you know. Uh, but anyway, so this is kind of going back to the episode ago. We we're touching on Bosco being a bit of a bigot, you know, when he literally says the line, oh, damn, towelheads aren't open their, uh, closing the door. And Yoka says, towelheads, Bosco, you're such a bigot. Um, and then I, I do like Bosco kind of going in there and he's, what is he saying? Like, Muhammad, this isn't Cairo, amigo. You can't leave the door open. Like, just I love it. typical bigoted Bosco. But then obviously they walk into this situation because, you know, it's not just a simple case of some, you know, Middle Eastern guy leaving his door open. He's clearly being robbed by these three guys with some pretty high, uh, you know, very powerful assault rifles and Uzis and all this sort of stuff. So we get straight away this, like, epically big shootout uh, where, you know, Bosco and Yokos have to quickly duck for cover and these guys are just firing at them left, right and centre. And it kind of sets up this whole, like, action sequence which, you know, takes part basically for the next, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of this episode. I mean, this is a unique episode that it kind of, it really, this is the central point of it, but it kind of, it comes and goes quickly. And what's so good about this whole sequence that we see here, you know, and you compare this to a couple episodes ago, obviously we had the, the building collapse, was that... This is so fast-paced and well-shot and just, like, it's action. Like, you just... This goes by so quickly. You then look at the timestamp. You're like, holy shit, 20 minutes has gone on this episode. Like, it's just... You're on the edge of your seat every single time. And it's it's done so well. Like, I think, like, later on when Third Watch kind of really focuses a lot more on the action scenes, you know, a lot of them are, are kind of very, I guess, stock-standard, typical car chase, police TV show... You know, there's nothing really unique and exciting about them. Not to say they're not exciting, but this uh, this whole sequence just really keeps you guessing, you know, from the, the opening moments of the shooting, you know, straight through to when they drive off and just this whole chase through the backyards and... Oh, it's so good. It's, uh, I mean, like, uh, there's so much to cover here with this, but I just, I just wanted to say that first. I don't know if you want to kind of lump in a lot of opinions here because we can nitpick a few little scenes here that we can talk about because it all kind of happens all at once. But this is, this is an amazing sequence of, uh, of, of footage that we're seeing here. No, I agree with you. I mean, we're like, what, 13 episodes in? And, I mean, finally, I mean, because there was some action before, but I think that's why this is so perfect because, like, you don't really get this until now. And then they do it so well, where it's just like, we want more of this. And then they really, like you said, they really pick it up later on. Later, like, I think season five, season four or three, it starts. Uh, I, w- I would argue, yeah, I mean, there's elements in four and three that I can see what you're saying. But, I mean, by the time yeah. we get to season six, you really do hit a mark where kind of each episode they go out of their way to basically say, like, here's a car chase, here's an explosion. I swear, Michael Bay took over season six at some point, I swear. I will say there's a hospital scene later on in the season that everyone has to see. <laughs> it, is, it is downright awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't have anything more to add? We can kind of go through some of these at all? No, or? I mean, 
if you want, or we can keep on going. I don't, oh, well, no, we can I, keep going. I, just, I just wanted to see if you had more thoughts. That's what I was trying to say there. But, like, I mean, yeah, we, we obviously get a lot going on here, um, you know, through the tension and the, and the action and kind of everything there. The, the, the one scene that I, I absolutely love um, is the, the moment when Bosco, Sully, and Candyman are standing in that street and they're just all shooting all at once. Like, they've all lined up with their guns pointed and just, like, firing at the taxi after they've stolen. It looks so amazing. Such a great shot. Um, and obviously they, they continue on the chase. They find this taxi. The the guy, uh, one of the guys in the taxi is kind of, I think he's being shot, hasn't he, or something like that. And he's, I don't know, he's dead. He's dead, sorry, because we later find out his brain matter all over the, uh, the, uh, the dash, of course. So, excuse me, they're running after him. We obviously get, uh, Carlos and, and Doc show up and, uh, helping out. Um, and then we kind of get a, a little bit of um doc versus carlos medical knowledge don't we when they're like you know uh docs all like the lungs are lower than you think and obviously carlos uh discovers this that and everything else uh then when they're running through the backyards and uh, we've got that dog barking which obviously later becomes uh you know that they, they can see where the bad guys are because the dog is barking at them it, it, it's great um we get a sully crap um just always need to add in the you know sully's catchphrase um and yeah, basically we we kind of just get this. They're chasing, and then eventually they they find them. They're hiding behind the pool. There's more of a shootout, and um, they go running towards a building. One of them gets in there. One of them shoots Candyman in the legs, who basically saves Davis. We obviously need to point that out. Uh, obviously, Davis and and uh, Candyman aren't exactly besties at this point, but uh, Candyman does save Davis, and in the process gets completely shot up in the legs. And uh, as one of the perps goes into the building, Bosco then manages to unload basically an entire clip into the other guy. For some reason, we get slow motion while he does it. I don't know why we need slow motion. Um, and then basically they go up towards the building and uh, Bosco waiting to go inside. They've got the building completely surrounded. Meanwhile, everyone's helping Candyman. Davis goes to help Bosco. Uh, just kind of before we get to this whole Bosco scenario here, because obviously this is a, is a major plot line of this episode, I do love like, the fact that Candyman, we just saw him. He probably got, like I don't know, like four or five bullets to the leg. He didn't just get one. He got a bunch. Uh, we later find out the femoral artery has been hit, which obviously is quite a major artery in your leg. But for some point of right there, when they drag Candyman out of the way, He's able to walk, even if it's for like two seconds. I'm calling bullshit on that. I'm no doctor, but I'm pretty sure if I get shot up the leg and my femoral artery is like bleeding out, I can't walk. <laughs> they he they emptied some bullets. It was an Uzi. They just kept going. Like you saw that, and yeah. um, I just the limp. It was like I thought he was limping, like he was off the leg. I gotta go back to that see him look at that part. Yeah, but I will. I will say, one of my favorite. One, I guess one of my favorite moments of these scenes is I love the partnership. Oh, yeah, and yeah for sure. Scenes. And, like, Faith was like, Bosco. And then when, when Sully's like, Davis, right when they start shooting at him, I was just like, that right there just gets you into it. Because you're not, at that point, he's like, Davis, because that's just, like, he promises uh, Davis's mom that he'll be safe, you know? Yeah. And you see Faith, she's like, our partner just stood out there, let's go. You know, I just love the whole family, that this is the bond, like, the whole theme of this is this band of brothers. And so... Yeah, exactly. You're 100% right. You, you hit the nail on the head there, and I think that's a very good thing that you point out there because, like, even the uh, the part where, like, Davis is left to look after the body in the, in the, in the taxi... And then Yokus is obviously, you know, waiting for the paramedics to show up. Because obviously, you know, you've got to have some go after the, the perps and the others obviously securing the scene before the other police show up. And then we get that line from Davis, like, uh, sorry, from Yokus, who's like, our partners are still out there. Come on, let's go. 
um, like straight away, it's kind of like, okay, the other guys have shown up, we can go out and help our partners. So yeah, you're absolutely right. So powerful. I mean, you don't see them in, I mean, you get a few episodes where you're going to see them in danger. I mean, actually a lot of them later on, but I think this one was just like the nail, like just, it was so powerful. I love it. I mean, this is where you see solely like really protective, like Davis, like more protective of Davis than himself at this point. Like he gives him like, you stay here. You know, I think that in a way that was kind of like, you stay here while we go handle this, you know? And then at that point, like you said, when the other cops came, Faith was like, let's go, you know, our partners are out there. Yeah. So I just, I love that. We get we get this obviously this bit now. So Bosco Davis goes up to help Bosco at the door. Is just obviously just you know making sure nobody runs out the back. This one guy's got away, but the, the guy that Bosco's obviously unloaded his entire clip to, um, you know who we assume is going to be dead from that. He's not. He's laying there basically saying like, "Help me, help me." I'm you know shot. And of course Davis is like, "Shall we help the guy?" And then Bosco's like, "No, let the bastard bleed." Uh, and then obviously we you know when Bobby and everyone show up, the paramedics they're basically like, "Oh, how's that guy?" And Bosco's like, "He's dead." And then he kind of, he gives that great, like, Jason Wiles acting ability, just like that look he gives Davis, as if to say, like, don't you dare say that he's alive. Like, just like, just like, you've got to give props. To, like, Jason Wiles can really go from, like, you know, goofball talking about $350 Knicks tickets to, you know, real, like, angry cop, like, at that point. Like, I'm not crossing he's- him at that point. I Hell no, am I not saying that that guy's alive. <laughs> he's such a great actor, like... When you call him Jason, I'm, I keep getting taken aback because I keep thinking of him as only as Boscarelli. <laughs> I don't see him as an actor. I see him as Boscarelli. Oh, like, yeah. if I saw I'm him same. tomorrow I'm in the streets, I'm thinking, like, Bosco and not Jason Wells. Yeah, so I, I, really like, yeah, I completely agree with you for sure. I mean, the few things I've seen him in uh, outside of Third Watch, you know, I mean, the thing I've said, I watched the show called Persons Unknown purely because he was one of the main stars in it. Um, and it's still, it's, it's, yeah, it's very hard to see him not as Bosco. I mean, he's a great actor outside of Third Watch from what he does do. It's not like he's typecast as this, you know, sort of bigoted NYPD cop. Like, he can act very well. But it's kind of, it's like we've talked a lot about how a lot of these cast members really haven't gone on to do much since the show, which is sad. And the fact that Jason Wiles is one of those, like, that is a, a travesty. Like, he's a very, very gifted actor. And I, I know that he's kind of since Third Watch has really turned his hand more so to directing than acting. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's an amazing actor. I love Jason. He's always always my favourite, still to this day my favourite on this show. Bosco, Team Bosco for life. And just, like, he's just oh, so good in that scene. And just that look, just that look he gives Davis. Um, and then just even, like, you know, the bit when he, like, yells out, like, yeah, he's dead. And then he kind of just says that, like, screw him, like, looks down at him. Um, and the thing that I will say about this storyline, though, like, I get why it's there. It's very dramatic and it's, you know, it's a good storyline. But kind of when we get the conclusion to this with the speech between him and Yokus, are we not all screaming at the TV screen to Yokus going like, ah, pot calling the kettle black. What did you do to Gangster a few episodes ago? (laughs) Yes. I was thinking the same thing. I was waiting for him to say, and it's okay to leave Caesar out there. It's the same thing. And if you notice, when... Bobby found out that the guy wasn't dead, and he needed a backboard. Nobody stepped up besides Davis. Not even Faith. She didn't. She stepped aside, <laughs> and she was by the backboard. So she didn't really want to help the guy out either. And I think you can tell, like with Bosco, like that scene when they're like, Bosco just has that. You know, he's kind of like it's it's a guilt face, but it's almost like I don't give a fuck face. Like fuck him, I don't give a shit. Like you can, whatever. The the thing that I will say, like about this whole storyline, the thing I guess maybe why I bring it up, it kind of irks me a little bit. And this is maybe falling into the continuity aspect of Third Watch that sometimes it does fail. Is why doesn't Bosco bring that up at that point? Like why doesn't he say, 
fight back and say like ah so it's okay for you to do it you know what i mean like we did get a bit of that like in some of the preceding episodes but it's 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 kind of like it's forgotten about at that point and that kind of irks me a little bit because it's like well again like you and i have clearly noticed that because it is very similar to what Yokus did with Caesar. So why are we not getting Bosco like, ah, uh, hello, you did it too. So it's, I don't know. I, it just kind of bothers me slightly about that. But kind of a lot. Just the fact that it's the same thing. Like, she did that to Caesar because he killed kids. Well, if Bosco did it because he, they tried to, if, like he, Bosco said, well, if it was us bleeding on, if we were bleeding out, they were able to not sleep. And they shot our brother, basically, and, and you're, yeah. you want me to, you know? And she has that line where she says, like, oh, good job, boss, you just became one of them today. It's like, uh, so did you, Yokus, about, like, ten episodes ago, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, but, again, like, even then, she wasn't even trying to help the guy out. When Bobby was like, give me the backboard, she just stood there. Yeah. Like, she didn't even want to help out, so, I mean, I don't know, I mean, yeah. Hell, Nitpicking, yeah. I guess. Well, that's what we're doing best in this episode. This is our nitpick episode, apparently. Uh, I, one thing, I, I like kind of the, the bit when the ESU go into the building and kind of like Boz is all like, oh, you know, we've been chasing this guy half, you know, across half the burrow. And it's like, well, this is our job. This is what we're trained to do. And then Boss here kind of has that line, like, oh, they think they're the only ones with all the balls in the force. Obviously, we get a bit of a storyline uh, in a season or two about Bosco trying to join ESU. So clearly, and you can see Bosco wants to be part of a team like that. You know, I mean, we get that scene coming up with Davis and talking about Bosco, you know, like... You know, Bosco was a madman, you know, like, we'll get to that scene in a minute. But, um, yeah, it's, it's well done. I do, I, I really, um, do like the, um, the bit when they, because it's all, as we said, it's very dramatic. It's very, like, in your face. It's fast paced. It's great. And then kind of, we really get a sense of op- opposite to that, which really counteracts, counters it so well when Bosco and, and Yokus are walking back to their car. And we just, it's so calm all of a sudden. And then Bosco kind of has that line where he's like, oh, there's not a scratch on it. And then Yokus is like, oh, well, it's parked around the corner. And Bosco's like, well, it just doesn't seem right today. Like, nothing seems right today. Like, it just, it is. And it's, that works well as a viewer watching it because it's like, wow, fast-paced action. Bang, 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 bang. And all of a sudden, it's just like, so calm. And it's just like, wow, okay. Beautifully shot. I think it's done so well. Yeah, it is. I mean, it reminds me of, like, how... I wouldn't say my whole life growing up, but it reminds me of, like, seeing police officers, like, in my backyard or other people's backyard, and I wonder, like, and I didn't see anything as a kid. I didn't see the bad guy, but you see all these cops, like, surrounding, like, going through yards, looking, and it make, makes me wonder, like, was it that fast-paced in a way right then and there, and they go right back to their car? Yeah. You know? I, I mean, look, I can't say I've seen much of that in my life. I've I guess I live a sheltered little life here in plucky old Australia. But one one thing, actually, I mean, this is nothing compared to obviously what you've seen, Brandy, but when, one of, uh, obviously, with my travels recently, I was in, I think it was the San Diego airport, and I went to check in, and all of a sudden, all these, like, security guards and police kind of, like, circled this area, and they all, like, kind of came to us in the line and was like, everybody needs to take uh, five steps back. We need to cordon off this area, please. There's a un, uh, unattended bag which we need to check. And it's all like, holy shit, like, fuck, something's going down here. And you kind of, you're all, like, backing off, and you see all these cops, and there's, like, this bag, and I don't know, like, if they've got a uh, bomb detector something or other, but they obviously, like, glance at it a few times, and like, everything's fine, back to normal. It's like, oh, okay, damn. That is exciting. I haven't seen that, so that's different. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, oh, man, if I told you, like, the SWAT team, the SWAT people came into our house one time i mean i have brothers who do some of the okay maddie i have brothers like maddie bobby's brother 
I'll just say that. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, when you have brothers like that, you definitely see some things. Definitely another episode in that. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm not laughing at the situation, but it's, yeah, it's very, very interesting. No, no, I mean, laugh now because <laughs> you got to laugh sometimes to just be like, it's what, it is what it is. True, true. But, yeah. Speaking of, uh, of, Maddie, um, we we see Bobby. Uh, he's at his mum's, and uh, obviously trying to tell him the situation. The police have obviously gone to Bob. I mean, they can go to Bobby's mum, but they can't go to Bobby. Uh, <laughs> so, and then uh, the, his mum has obviously told the cops where he would be at Bobby's house. So, I mean, these cops, what's going on? They know where Bobby's mum lives, don't know where Bobby lives. And again, Bobby's bestie's with Davis. So, like, can't they just go, hey, Davis, your bestie Bobby, where does he live? Oh, just there. Okay, cool, thanks, bro. Like, I mean, that's that's simple, clearly. (laughs) I don't know. I'm nitpicking here. Mom is such a great actress. I mean, oh, she's good, and it's sad that she gets replaced. Obviously, we've gone over that, like the actress. But I think it's a, it's a nice scene because I mean, up until this point, we've only seen her like really be anti Maddie, except for that scene where obviously she showed up to the the church when he was getting his chip. But like at this point, we we clearly see that no matter how much she's done and disappointed in him, she will still always love him because she is his mother. So we get that scene where she kind of breaks down and is like, oh, Maddie, you know, it's it's a sweet, nice scene, but it, it really does show that despite the fact that obviously she's trying to basically be like, look, I'm done, I can't handle this anymore, she still deep down just loves him because she he's her son. Oh, man, definitely touching. I mean, and Third Watch is so relatable in that, in that aspect for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, we get uh, we sort of touched on it before a little bit, but uh, obviously we get this Davis Sully scene, and uh, you know Davis basically saying like I froze up out there, I was scared, too scared, and you know Sully's like, hey, we're all scared, like these guys are shooting fucking automatic weapons at us, you know we're all going to be scared, and then he's like, well not Bosco, Bosco was a madman, and you know, and I love that line where. Dave, uh, Sully's all like, well, you know, people like Bosco, you know, they just think that they go through life and nothing's ever going to happen to them until they get shot, and they always have that look on their face, like, oh, there's been some sort of mistake. <laughs> I just love yeah. that line. Like, Sully just, Sully is the narrator of Third Watch. He just sums up all the characters. He just summarizes everything into every little box, and like, he just, he just does it so well. Uh, you know, like, you can imagine Sully just, you know, narrating this entire show and telling us what we're meant to be feeling and thinking and all that sort of stuff, because, yeah, he just does it so well. He does, and I was kind of half expecting Sully to tell Davis, like, well, it's good, you have to be scared out there, because that keeps you on your toes. Yeah. I mean, there's a saying, you know, that, especially now, like, if you go into a fight, it's good to be scared. Not too scared where you're paralyzed, but good enough to know anything can happen. That way you're not so, like, you, like Bosco. <laughs> you're not Bosco. Yeah. You don't think anything. Now. I'm always scared when I get. Into, well, I don't get into fights now. Let me rephrase that. But I was always scared when I got into fights <laughs> or anything like that. I think I've been <laughs> in um, two fights. That was in primary school, and they were both not fights compared to what fights are actually are. So, um, yeah, I've been in online fights. They don't count. Um, but yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I think we all have had online fights. Online fights. Yeah, sure. people. Ha- people hate. Hey. Uh, you know, I, I did have a, a, a hate thread about me on a forum once. So you know. Wow. I, I, I was honoured. I was I was chuffed. I actually took that as a badge of honour. I'm like, hey, cool. I've got haters. Awesome. I'll, okay. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, one thing I say about Bosco, just kind of going on the whole like, we always get that with his character, which is you know this gung ho like cop, and it's it's kind of his his trope. That's what Bosco is. But there is definitely a scene in a future episode. I think it's season three from memory where 
there's just this moment where kind of you you almost get a scared Bosco, and it's like it's it's really shocking and confronting because you get so used to this side of this character that nothing phases him at all. But there's just this. I and I, it's still a few seasons away. I know that, but just I just remember that in your head, people. That because it really is a scene that like I watch it and I'm like wow, that's that's deep. Like you really feel bad for him yeah. just because of if, this character that he is. Is that the scene, the episode I'm thinking about with the cops and everything? And the episode of Third Watch with the cops uh, isn't that every episode, Brandy? Uh- <laughs> no, no, I don't want to give it away, so I'm trying to like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen that one. Uh- <laughs> Whatever, I don't want to. Well, if I said it, I was thinking about saying a word, but I was like, no. I mean, is that the episode with the guy on a bike? Uh, is he on a bike? Uh, it's, it's there's, a, there's a bag of money involved. Is that the bike? Is okay. there a bike in that episode? I can't remember. Okay, what is? We were thinking about another one. We're like, they're, they're like, ah, we'll, we'll talk about it off air. We'll, we'll get to that. And I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy how you can't really. You, it's so hard to describe sometimes because you don't want to give away certain. Just, I just you just and, just stick to that notion, Brady. Oh, that one with the cops in it. Yeah, that one. That one. Because uh, you're right. There were cops in it. So you know, technically, I, I joke, but you're actually right, Brandy. Good job. Um, but, <laughs> what? Oh my god. Um, overall with this scene though like uh, obviously it kind of comes down to uh, Sully talking about Candyman and obviously you know like we touched on a little bit last episode about the fact that yeah just because he's dirty doesn't mean he's a bad person he's got a wife he's got kids you know he coaches little league and all this sort of stuff and we get this we get this fantastic line by Sully you know when he's what like when you put on that uniform you're not black you're not white you're blue you know, like, he did it because you were wearing the uniform. And that, again, coming back to what you were saying about the episode titled This Band of Brothers, it really does solidify this bond that police have. And, again, going back an episode, we were saying about how an episode can get preachy. This is not preachy. It does it in a nice, subtle way. Like, you don't need it shoved down your throat every five seconds. Like, they're cops, they're all in love, you know, they're family. It's kind of like... I like the show Blue Bloods. Believe me, I like the show Blue Bloods. But the family message in Blue Bloods sometimes wears a little thin. Uh, I know that's kind of the premise of Blue Bloods. It's about a family of NYPD, you know, cops. But it's kind of like just the way this is done subtly. Like, you know, you brought it up so well before when you said it, that whole action sequence comes down to kind of the relationship between the partners. And it's just the subtlety that, that, that it's done that you kind of notice that. And even in this line where Sully kind of delivers a real almost like a midday, you know, movie speech about like, you know, you're not black, you're not white, you're blue. Like, it's so, like, cheesy if you analyse it, but it's not done in a cheesy way. It's done in a real, like, fuck yeah, police. Like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Well, no, I get what you're saying because, like, and I think the reason why it's so well is because if, going back to this action scene, it's, it's more they're showing than telling. Most shows will like keep giving speeches, telling yeah. like the dialogue. And third watch, what they do so well is that they show through the action. Yeah. And then you might have one speech to sum up the whole action scene. And I think that's great. Where like I said, some shows will like have a speech, the next scene a speech, then like the, a, a, another speech where it's just dialogue, dialogue, you know, preaching dialogue. Completely agree. And so I think that's so well. And the sad thing I will say about third watch is that. It does it so well in the early part of the show, and it does fade away a lot by the end. And that's that's the sadness of it. It's like, as much as I love this show, as much as I think this is the best show ever made, there are definitely elements, and we'll get to this, no doubt, when we get further along in the show, but it is done so well so early on, and they do seem to forget how they do it. I mean, it's not to take away from those later seasons, because they still do a lot of things well, but you don't get it as much as you do in these earlier seasons. So, um 
yeah, just keep an eye on that, how kind of it, it will develop over the time when it comes to things like action uh, later on. Um, we get um, that scene I was mentioning before about uh, Bobby going home and that guy like, oh, you know, they said to call you, um, you know, because he's still obviously looking for, for Maddie. Uh, then we get Doc at the uh, hospital with Morales. And again, my little nitpicking here, Brandy, uh, the fact that uh, Morales doesn't know what time Doc finishes work. Again, did you not wake up with each other that morning? Is that conversation not come up sometimes when you're in bed with each other? Stop asking about does he miss his dead ex-wife. Like, ask what time he finishes work so he can bone each other again later that night. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> just Sorry. Get it out. Get it, get it out, out Benji. Get, get it out, out Ben. <laughs> but we do, we do get a great scene here, and you, you messaged me about this a few hours ago when you were obviously watching this scene because this is the, this is the moment where Carlos realizes that these two are together because you've been waiting for this because obviously the whole thing with Morales was that Carlos had a bit of a uh, an erection for her and wanted to get with her, and then you know like he doesn't realize it behind his back. You know, Doc's been doing it, which let's be honest, Doc has violated the bro code. Can I just point that out? But it doesn't matter because we would rather see Doc and Morales. Well, you can't imagine Carlos and Morales together, can you? No, exactly. She is way too mature for him. For sure, absolutely. Um, so we we obviously get this great scene <laughs> with Carlos, and it's like, are you kidding me? And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, hello, I was interested. <laughs> what does what does Doc say? Like, what is this? Did you call dibs? <laughs> Carlos is like, what, is this, what the hell is dibs? <laughs> I love this scene so much. That's why I had to message it to you because he was like, wait, did we go back to the eighth grade? Is this dibs? And Carlos was like, what the hell is dibs? What? And Doc was like, what year were you born? 77. <laughs> Can I just point out, really- how does he not know what dibs is? I'm 10 years younger than Carlos and I know what dibs is. <laughs> And Doc knows what dibs is. I know what dibs is. And he's like 77. You really are an infant. But then you and I know. Doc knows. And he's older than Carlos, as you can tell. And it's just it's just funny. Uh, and Carlos, is, Carlos was good. I mean, Anthony, he was awesome with this. He's like, what, is, what the hell is dibs? Yeah. Just the way he expressed it. Oh my god. <laughs> One thing I will say, though, just kind of... I, I, like, I like it in TV shows when you ever get... Um, like a date of birth mentioned or like a, a birthday because I know like if, if you're a, if you're a fan of Friends one of the kind of continuity errors was with a lot of the characters their birthdays changed and their years of birth changed it never came consistent so that's always like when you see these articles about like top 10 mistakes in the TV show Friends one of the major ones is always that the, the major characters birth dates and their months of their birthdays often changed so I, I can't remember because obviously you know Carlos's background is a little bit sketchy here and there with obviously his upbringing and we kind of get a storyline around that later on but i am interested to kind of keep an eye on that to see if down the line his age is mentioned again because this at this point this makes him 22 23 depending on what month he was born in so um you know keep an eye on that over the years he's obviously very young i think him and david's pretty much the same age but one thing i just want to point out to date this show or to date this episode or to date whatever you want to say if he was born in 1977, Brandy, that means that if Third Watch was still continuing, and just imagine that the great world of Third Watch is still out there in our minds, that Carlos Nieto is now a 40-year-old. Hmm. <laughs> just, just let that sit with you for a moment. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> 
just okay. You, you're literally letting that sit with you. Just put it out. And Lisa's out there. You can you can take that in. Uh, so from there, we we had I think a little bit of scene here, don't we? With Bosco, they're talking to Morales. I can't remember who they're talking about to. Uh, and he's asking about the shooters and uh, said that one of them died. Is that bad news? No. Uh, it's kind of the throwaway thing there. Obviously, we get the whole Bosco, you know, don't give a shit face, and Yokus is obviously like, you know, okay. Um, then we get this scene of uh, Maddie. He's in the park, and we get this great scene between Bobby and Maddie, kind of reminiscing on their childhood uh, in this park. You know, Maddie's like, "How did you find me?" It's like, "Well, you know, this is where we'd always go when we'd hide out from, you know, when we were younger." Uh, and then what does Bobby say? Like, Maddie, you high? And he's like, oh, who gives a shit if I'm high? And then uh, Bobby's obviously like, let's go to the ATM. Now, one thing I want to say here, and again, I don't want to go into spoilers too much, but when we get, I is it season five? It would be season five. When we get this whole storyline around Bosco and his brother, uh, we have a very similar scene. Uh, just forward think that into your memory bank because we kind of get this scene involving Bosco's brother where Bosco has to find him and they're kind of in an area where they used to hide out when they were kids and they kind of share stories about when they were younger. So, I, I mean, just bank that into your head right now because when we get to that episode in the future, I'm going to come back to this moment and say this is very similar to the Bobby Maddie scene. So, um, it's not to me kind of like a recycled storyline because they're very different storylines and how they get to that point. But it's just, it's kind of interesting kind of how that happens again. I don't know if you ever thought of that when you were watching this scene. I didn't, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I do remember the scene with Bosco and his brother, so no, I see it. I do see it. Yeah, for sure. Just just put that into your memory, listeners. Remember that one. Um, so then we back to the, the precinct. Sally's got a visitor. It's Maggie. She's there. She's in roll call. I love that cop when she says, like, oh, she's family. So we let her into the roll call. Um... And we just kind of get this speech about, obviously, like, you know, Maggie's telling Sally, like, he's asking questions. And Sally's like, yeah, I know he's asking questions. Um, and then, obviously, we get this sweet little scene with Maggie saying, like, you know, if something happens to Ty, then they hug. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's really sad. And this is, spoiler, fuck it, I don't care. Obviously, Sally and Maggie never get together. Uh, so don't get too invested in this. But, I mean, it's, it's just this, it's a sweet little connection these two have and one that i'm sad i think at the end of this season really gets forgotten about um you know obviously sully has other certain people come into his life that obviously makes you really forget this and maybe there's not a whole lot you can do with davis's mum. i mean you don't want this as an every episode thing but i don't know i i like they they work very well together i'm not necessarily saying like they should be a couple but i don't know i just think that they they are very good friends i thought they could be but i know it's been tricky with davis's dad but I would love to have seen that character arc explored a little bit, at least. Just yeah. a little, to see if it worked out. And it could have been like, well, we're better off as friends, but, yeah. I just think that maybe there's probably not a whole lot that could be done further what we get. So, yeah, just uh, I don't, don't get too attached to Maggie and Sully. Let's, all you shippers out there who are wanting to ship this couple. Uh, believe me, if you're if you're one of these people who like to ship couples, you, you're getting a lot of good ship this episode. We're still going to get to that. Um, but we get this great scene, this emotional, uh, very well-acted scene now um, where Bobby obviously was in that. He, he's gone into the store, he's got some money out, gives him $500. Now, I, again, nitpicking, we obviously remember earlier, Maddie asked for $1,000. Now he's gotten 500 and then Maddie acts shocked, like, oh, 500 can you handle that with, like, rent and utilities? It's like, dude, you asked him for 1000 before, and now you're giving a shit that he's giving you 500 you little shit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Poor Bobby! 
This is so heartbreaking, though. But I thought the same thing. I was like, wait, didn't he just ask for a thousand? And then, yeah. <laughs> Uh, obviously, the, the exchange rate between New York and Florida dropped in between those conversations. These two episodes have been like focused on like the pay of like paramedics and firemen too. Yeah, well, we get that a lot in a lot of these episodes, but um, but this this scene's great. Like, you know, Bobby obviously gives his speech. Like, you know, you know, it's behind us, the fifty fifth precinct. If you get out and you turn right, you go to that police station, you turn yourself in. I'll spend every dime I've got, which is probably more than five hundred dollars. Clearly, um, on the best lawyer, I'll be there for you. I'll fight for you if you go to jail i'll be there on the first day you get out i'll do this i'll do that but if you turn left if you don't turn yourself in you're dead to me i can't do this anymore i won't have a brother it's very emotional it's very deep very well acted bobby cannavale does so well with it um and then obviously you know maddie's kind of like well like wait hang on a minute maybe we can see the lawyer first uh and then basically bobby's like just get out and he drives off and obviously we're like oh shit what's he gonna do um, I mean, I just want to stop there if you want to add anything because I don't think it's just a scene that deserves to be talked about by itself. It's, I mean, it's a great scene. It is a great scene, but I mean, I don't. I think you covered it. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking, you know. I mean, honestly, when he drives off because you could tell he was like, <clears throat> but Maddie, he was like, well, maybe I could see the lawyer, but Bobby's like, you know, I heard it all. I'm just done. <laughs> yep. You know? Yep. Yep. Um. So from there. Uh, Davis goes in to try and see Candyman, but uh, he's asleep, and his wife kind of sees, sees him, and he has the bag of money that obviously we had from the last episode, and basically just says, like, hey, we collected this for him. You know, it's a subtle, nice way of giving the money back. It's very smart on Davis's behalf. And then basically says to his wife, like, oh, when he wakes up, tell him, you know, Ty Davis said thank you. You know, he'll know what, uh, what, he, what I'm talking about. Uh, great little scene. Uh, obviously, we get the Bosco one we've already mentioned about Bosco and Faith. Um, you know, going over what happened, but we've obviously gone through that. Um, but then we get the closing scene here, Brandy. So we have Bobby. He's, uh, are they at Kim's or are they at Bobby's? I, I'm going to assume they're at... Well, see, you did say earlier, like, if you want to talk, I'll be at home. So I'm assuming they're at her house. Yeah, okay, so... She now, said that, like, in the... Yeah, Bobby's on the phone. Bobby's on the phone at this point. Don't know who to. Is it the police again? The same police who are looking for him? Um, basically, he's on the phone. He finds out that Maddie did not turn himself in. So we're never going to see Maddie again. Spoiler alert. Uh, so obviously, he's quite upset about that. It's like, shit, you know, great. I've lost my brother. Um, again, I'm still asking the question at this point. Why aren't the police questioning Bobby? He's just basically given his brother money to go on the run. He's helped a convicted felon. <laughs> so why isn't Bobby being questioned more here? Um, probably because they know that he's the paramedic. They they know him. But and it doesn't matter. Nothing. I mean, this is what? Just because they know him <laughs> and he's a paramedic, he can get away with crimes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... The show kind of shows you, like, when Sully was like, hey, Bobby, I'm giving you a heads up, you might want to talk to your brother. I mean, who knows? It could be that. I don't know. I just think it's one of these real, like, you know, plot holes that kind of just gets chilled over. Because you know why it gets chilled over, Brandy? Because what's about to happen after 13 episodes of sexual tension, of wondering will they or won't they, of Bobby being in love and Kim rejecting him because of all this and all that sort of stuff, what happens? Kim comes in to comfort Bobby by doing the only thing Kim knows how to, making out with him, and 
let's be honest and spoil it because you know what's going to happen at that point. They sleep together. So, look, I just I just want to point out straight away that, like, this is great. I'm glad it's happened. We've been waiting for this to happen. So, like, yay, Bobby and Kim, they're getting together. But on the flip side of that, can I just point out that, Kim, you have terrible timing, all right? He's technically, you could just say... Lost his brother. His brother is now dead to him. So this is the same way as if his brother had died. So how do you help him feel comforted? You fuck him. Now look, I'm just going to point this out. If I'm in love with a girl, I've been in love with her for a long time, but my brother dies... Am I at that point going to start kissing the girl I love and completely forget that my brother is dead and that I'm going to fuck her instead? Like, I mean, it's great. I don't want to take away from this great moment because it's a great moment. We're so happy this is happening. It's fantastic. It's great. Yay, Kim and Bobby are finally together. But, Kim, terrible timing. Come on. (laughs) I don't have much to say about... Sorry, I was really on a ranty mood this episode. (laughs) No, no, I'm listening because I feel like you have more to say than me because, like, I think I'll have more to say next episode. But, but with oh, yeah. This, because here's the thing. I just started liking Kim. I just gave her props <laughs> last episode. <laughs> I mean, I just started liking Kim, and then she takes it from I don't uh, – yeah, I don't know what to say. Look, I mean, look, I love you know I'm a Kim fan, and like I don't mean yeah, to, of course, of it, course. It kind of, it kind of like I just can I backtrack a little bit when I said Kim does the only thing she knows how to do. I'm not implying that Kim's <laughs> a slut, please. I'm not. I really am not. That was a bad way of saying it, and I probably just made it worse by using the S word. I, I in no way meant that, but it's just like it just, I don't know. It just to me, it's like I'm so happy they're together, but really, Kim. Really? Like, in the next season, I can't even say what I want to say because it just gives a massive spoiler away. But, like, in any future life moments of yours, Kim, when somebody you love is no longer in your life and a guy tries to sleep with you, are you going to just accept that? Go, oh, yeah, cool, I'm horny right now. Like, come on. <laughs> I, here's the thing, like, okay, I love Kim too, but I think, like, just the, during the first, second season, I'm just, like, it's it's kind of hard to get into her. Once over time it's like you love her more you appreciate her more it's just her she's growing like we talked about last couple episodes growing pains she has growing pains and she has to learn to like mature i mean right now i just don't like her because bobby's such a nice guy and we see what happens later on down the road and i it's think just... the thing that's good with kim is that you're right like she's very up and down in terms of likability but i think if you fully analyze kim's character there's still that likeness to her. Like, she she, she is that kind of train wreck character. And I don't say train wreck. That's probably not the right word. But she's self-destructive through what happens to her. And I think I can relate to a lot of kind of what she goes through in terms of how she reacts to things. And I think that's what is done so well about her character is that when certain things happen to people in life, it's not all a case of... Bobby from an episode ago, oh, my girlfriend of two years who I was madly in love with was fucking my brother the whole time. Lol, who cares? Sunshine and rainbows, let's go out and have coffee. Like, there are going to be people in life who take things very hardly and and really take a while to get over things. And Kim is, is self-destructive in so many elements. And again, probably the wrong way that I put what I just said about Kim sleeping with Bobby here. But at the same time, it's like, it does fit in with Kim's character. She does things without maybe thinking about them first. 
and then, you know, this is what happens. I mean, look at, like, her relationship with Jimmy. How many times does she go and sleep with Jimmy when then she complains about it the next day? We get that from Bobby earlier in the season. Like, you're just going to end up sleeping with him, and I'm going to have to end up hearing about it the next day. So it's kind of like she's had self-control to not sleep with Bobby because we had that great conversation between them in this season with their best friends. You know, I don't want to screw this up. It gets to a point where she can't help it anymore, so she has to do this. And then I don't want to lead into the next episode with what happens, but it's kind of, it just fits in well with Kim's character. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And by saying fits in with well with Kim's character, I'm not implying that she likes to sleep around. I'm just saying it's <laughs> Kim's character, okay? <laughs> I get it, I get it. At I this mean, point, Bobby is the only, the second person we have seen Kim have sex with, all right? I think Bosco and Jimmy and all these other characters have had sex with more people than Kim has had, okay? So l- give me some slack here, people. I think anyone is taking you wrong because you are the biggest Kim fan too. Oh, so come I mean, on. I, like, I love Kim Ray. I am so in love with that woman. <laughs> Even though she went, she went from my favourite show to my second favourite show to the worst show of all time in Grey's Anatomy. But that's another story. But, like, I love this woman. Kim, if you are listening, I love you. All right? I love you, Kim. There you go. There you go. I mean, and see, that's what, I don't think anybody's taking you wrong. Actually, your perspective is, your perspective is very enlightening. And I agree <laughs> with it. You, know? I think, you are the first I person think... to ever say that to me. Bless your heart. <laughs> Wow. I think with Kim, just her. <laughs> oh my god. Yep. Her person. I don't know. I just think. Okay. Basically, for her, emotion overrules logic. For her, simple as that. And some of us do that. I've been there where my emotions overruled my logic. Like I knew, for example, it wasn't a good guy. I did a good idea to text this guy. But what did I do? I text this dude, or <laughs> I go talk to my ex. I get in touch with him again, and I try. You know, I mean, I've made these mistakes with people too, because my emotions got the best of me. And Kim does the same thing with Jimmy or with Bobby. This time, you, you definitely knows? don't need like I. I am the king of those sort of moments. So, but uh, I. Anyway, it's um, yeah. Just let's just just take this moment for what it is, Brandy. Bobby and Kim have hooked up. Yay! Celebration. There it is. <laughs> so finally, I'm just Kim, all of us at one point. Maybe that's what that's the way. Finally, there you go. Finally, finally, finally. All right, there we go. Bobby and Kim, they're boning right now, and that's the end of the episode. Uh, what, what are what are we doing with this? This is I, I I'm going to start off. Just I'm going to buy it. It's just it's just so like action packed with that middle section, and then we just get some great stuff going on with this episode. It's it's definitely an episode that I can watch over and over again, despite the fact that I've nitpicked a lot more than I thought I would. But uh, yeah, I'm buying it. I'm jumping in there before you do it, and uh, that means can I just point out before you give your rating that i've bought the last three episodes i've bought five of the last six episodes and the only one that i didn't buy i binned it so i'm on a bit of a roll here when it comes to buying a lot of these episodes <laughs> i'll be i'll be buying it as well yeah there we go turn is you can't turn the action scene down i think this is one of the most powerful action scenes they've done and it doesn't i mean it gets even better like later on in the seasons but this is like one of the first action scenes they have done and i'm buying it yeah it's just and Bosco emptied his clip into the guy. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Here, here. I mean, that was slow motion. Just Bosco was just, yeah, that was awesome. He got his moment. We got badass Bosco and and Kim the. Yeah, I don't want to say. Anyway, uh, so that's uh, this band of brothers. Close it out, Ben. Uh, quit while you're ahead. Um, so our next episode is entitled 32 Bullets and a Broken Heart. 
And uh, it's, a, it's an interesting one. It's kind of got the, the fallout and the next step in what happens between Bob and Kim, uh, Bobby and Kim, Bob. Um, we get a bit more of uh, Drunken Fred and Yokus and more to do with that. Very interesting with what uh, happens there. Uh, Carlos, uh, we just talked about this episode about the fact could Carlos and Morales work? Well, Carlos might work with another girl in the next episode because Carlos gets a bit of a love interest in the next episode. Yay. And um, we get more of Malcolm in there as well with Ty. And then kind of going back to what I was saying about an episode ago about Bosco and his bigotry and kind of just how he, he relates to that, we get a bit of a storyline to test Bosco and his bigotry a little bit more, but it kind of does develop into a really good speech by Bosco at one point. So keep an eye out for that. That's 32 Bullets and a Broken Heart. Anything you want to add on that one, uh, Brandy, before we close this one out? Oh, you summed it up. I did. You don't even need to watch the episode now, do you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in again. As I always say, if you've got any feedback or comments you wish to uh, add to these Third Watch episodes, by all means, you can contact us, Facebook, Twitter. You can email us, theoznetwork at hotmail.com. Our website, theoznetwork.net, has contact form on there as well. If you want these episodes, direct to your device. Any other episodes that we do produce here on the Oz Network, be it film or TV-related, best way to do so is go to iTunes, search for the Oz Network, subscribe. You can leave us feedback and rate us while you're there as well. Uh, Stitcher, if you are non-Apple user, and of course we are on Spotify if you wish to stream us at the same time, which would be weird if you're streaming us and downloading it. I don't know what the point of that is, but hey, you could be a multitasker. Good on you. Uh, my name is Ben. Thanks for your company here on the Oz Network, and I'll close out by saying I'm getting too old for this crap. And my name is Brandy, and what the hell is Dibs? Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.